And as we look at this today, and we are going through our sermon series on found, this is our second series on this. If you, were, if you weren't here last week and you want to go back and pick that up, you can. I, it just really tees up where we're heading. And last week we were in Luke chapter 14, and we really unpacked a lot of passages of Scripture. And we left off in Luke 15 and verse 1. And I want to read this for us as we begin to find our way through the sermon series on found. The Bible says in Luke 15 and verse 1, And all the tax collectors and sinners were now approaching to listen to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes were complaining, and they said, This man welcomes sinners. And can you believe he has the audacity to even eat with them? I remember as a boy, I learned this song. It was a song that really is always spoke to my heart. And it says, all of grace is my story. All the way from earth to glory. Since by grace, he lifted me from sin and woe. All of grace has been my story. All the way from earth to glory. Since by grace, he lifted me from my sin and woe. You may remember we would sing the song, Love lifted me. Love lifted me. Even when nothing else could help, love lifted me. What lifted you, my brothers and sisters, today was the love of God. All oh, the love that drew salvation's plan. It was the love of God and not the religion of man. I want you to understand that it was the love of a father that sent a son to be born and put on the robe of flesh and die for us. What did God find? God found helpless sinners. The Bible says that yet while we were without strength, Christ Jesus died for the ungodly. What did Christ find when he came to planet earth? When he put on the robe of flesh and he was a young boy, what did he find? When he was a young teenager, what did he find? When he was a young man, what did he find? When he laid down his life on the cross, what did he find? Everywhere he went, I'm telling you that he found some broken, some damaged people. Amen. Matter of fact, we find that in the declaration of Jesus what was his mission statement? What was the mission statement of Jesus in Luke 19 and 10? Jesus gives the mission statement. He declares it in Luke 19 and 10. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save those which were lost. Those which were lost. He was on a mission. He was on a mission. The first mission trip there ever was was headed up by Jesus Christ, and it was on a mission to seek and to save those which were lost. You see, my friends, today the reality is that we want to believe. It's easier for us to believe the lie of, dev the lie of the devil than to believe the victory of Christ. It's easy for you and I to find what God's plan is for our life and then say, God, I can't achieve that. You see, you don't have to do a whole lot to meet the devil's expectations. Are you hearing me today, church? You don't have to do a whole lot to live up to the standard of the world. Can I get a witness? Are you out there, church? I am telling you today that you don't have to do much to meet the expectations of a carnal world. Matter of fact, just do whatever you want to and it'll be all right with everybody. Amen. 
But I am telling you that when it comes to God, God has a separate standard. God has a separate expectation level. God does something completely different. You see, you don't have to do much to meet the devil's plan for your life. And you see, you look at what the devil has for us and we say, well, I'll settle for that. And we'd rather settle for that and lean in here for just a minute because God's saying, I have all this in store for you. And yet we won't believe it. We won't strive for it. We won't achieve it. Why? Why is that the case? Because most of us, the plan that God has for us, you know in your own spirit, I know in my own spirit that I don't have the ability to make it happen. Therefore, you say, there's no way that I can ever measure up to that. Therefore, you don't even strive for what God has for you because it's beyond your reach, it's beyond your grasp, and there's no way that you can achieve it. So therefore, we just take what's good and trade what's best for what's good and settle for what the world says God has for us instead of what God said He has for us. Amen? You see, God has a plan for us. And if we will just believe it, we can strive forward and try to receive it. I remember just this week I was able to have lunch with a girl that I went to high school with. Wow, it had been a very long time since I've seen her. She said, you're looking just like your dad. I said, because I'm getting old. (laughs) And as I was telling the story about 180, our after-school ministry where we're coming along beside children and tutoring them and trying to help people learn to read maybe for the first time in their life and then trying to help people learn to speak English maybe for the first time in their life, maybe help people get a GED and maybe help provide these pathways forward for people that they can get to what God has destined them to have. And I began to share that with her and I looked at her and I said, you're just trying to figure it all out, aren't you? I know what you're thinking right now. You're thinking, how in the world the guy who was always asking me, what's the answer to number nine? What you got for number 20? The guy who was always trying to cheat and always trying to short-circuit the process, you're thinking, I can't believe you're actually trying to recruit tutors to help people receive an education. I'm picking up what you're thinking. And she just began to chuckle and say, yeah, you're right. You see, but back in the day, I believe, God, here's what you you have for me. And, and I said, Lord, I'll never measure up. Why couldn't I measure up to that? Because I let people speak negative into my life. I let people speak into my life and say, you don't have the ability. You don't have the knowledge. You don't have what it takes. And I'll tell you, but all of a sudden, I had a head-on collision with a thrice holy God. And it changed my life forever. And I just began to think, God, Lord, I can't, but you can. I I can't, but you can. And I begin to believe what God said instead of what the devil said. And I'll tell you, that found me in a whole new place. I found a whole new place to live. I found a whole new place to dwell. A whole new place to reside. And she looks at me and says, how in the world is it possible? You know, How can you have accomplished all this? By God. But God, and God wants to take your life, and God wants to use you to change a city. God wants to use you to change a neighborhood. God wants to use you to impact a city for the glory of God. 
And what it's going to take is individuals rising up and saying, I have found the grace of God that was mixed with the truth of God that I might walk in the victory of God. You remember last week in Luke 14, when Jesus was with this religious crowd, you had to have an invitation to get there. I ask you to underline that in your Bible so that you knew that it was by invitation only. But now all of a sudden he's out there on the streets and with him is anybody can that can get to him. It can be where he is. And all of a sudden there's Jesus and he's surrounded by the religious crowd and he's surrounded by the sinners. He's surrounded by this hard group. And we look at the mission of Jesus. What was the mission of Jesus to seek and to save those which were lost? So what is the mission for us? Well, the mission for family of grace can be summarized in Matthew chapter 28 and verses 19 through 20. I want you to go into all the world and make disciples. Make disciples. Make children of God. Help reproduce people that they can be all that God wants them to be. Listen, if you can just get people to being a child of God and they will begin to understand the way of God, the will of God, God will bring them where he needs them to be. I'll never forget that what God wants to do in our life is when the world stacks up our limitations, God begins to move in a unique way. God begins to move in a unique way. And what God is saying in this passage of Scripture that all the tax collectors, all the sinners were approaching Him to listen to Him. And the Pharisees and the scribes were complaining and they were saying, this man welcomes sinners. And so if Jesus was on a mission to seek and to save those which were lost, if we're on a mission to make disciples of all nations, do you know what that means, church? Do you understand the impact of that statement? To make them of all nations. That means every people group. That means every tongue. That means every ethnic group. That means every race. And I'm telling you today that for some reason we think that Jesus died for only the people that looks like us. For only the people that acts like us. For only the people that live where we live. I'll tell you that he died for the whole world. And then he told us to go and reach the whole world. To reach the whole world. Do you see it, church? To go into all the world. Matthew 28 and 19. To go into all the world. And then we see this passage of Scripture beginning to unfold even more. So how do we do that? By the great commandment. In John 13, 34. We must love. We must love. We must love our neighbors as ourselves. Who is our neighbor? Who is our neighbor? Some of the hardest people to love is your neighbor. Amen. He says, I want you to love your neighbor. This illustrates truth and grace. Truth and grace. Truth and grace. As we think about this, what are we trying to accomplish in this passage of Scripture? That Jesus was saying the truth is that I have come for all men. The reality of truth and grace is that family of grace exists to change a city. To glorify God and to change a city in the process. Family of grace does not exist to build a tabernacle up on a hill. To build a big church that says wow look we've arrived. We have all of these things. We have all of these assets. We have all of this. Family of Grace exists to be the hands and feet of Jesus on every street, in every neighborhood, 
I'll never forget I, when the district's attorney race was going on. I was meeting with one of the gentlemen who was running for district attorney. And he really kind of aggravated me because the process of our conversation was, what are you going to do? What are you going to do as a district attorney to help, you know, curb these uh, to help curb these children who are throwing their lives away. They make bad decisions when they're young and they're teenagers, and then it follows them the rest of the, their life. So what are you going to do as a district attorney, coupled with the local church to make a difference in the inner city? And I'll never forget what he said to me. He said, well, Pastor, in Alexandria, we really don't have a whole lot of inner city. I grew up in New Orleans. They have inner city. And I said, sir, I beg to differ with you. Why don't you come go with me to this street and this street and this street? I bet you'll change your mind. I bet you'll change your mind. See, but you don't have to go to the inner city to find people that are broken. You don't have to go to the inner city to find people that are struggling with knowing what their destiny and their future is. All you have to go do is go down any street, in any city, in any neighborhood, outside the gated neighborhoods, inside the gated neighborhoods, and you will find people struggling to find a pathway forward because every time they begin to find a pathway forward, all they really find is truth or all they really find is grace but they never really find truth and grace and you'll never be all that God has for you to be till you understand truth and grace truth and grace and what was happening here is that you remember last week and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this because I did last week there was the head-on collision with the truth crowd and the grace crowd those that were saying, the religious group, well, you know, you could be part of us, but you got to do all these things. you got to do all these things. And then there was the grace crowd over here that says, oh, my, I got to the party. We looked at it last week in the parable and the power of the story of the banquet. They got there not on their own merit, not on their own will, not on their own working, not on their own strength, not because of who they are, not because of where they live, but because somebody said you could come. And then there's this whole, new, there's this whole preaching today that says, if you'll just come to Jesus, if you'll just be part of our church, you can live however you want to, and then we'll have any expectations, and we'll just let you do whatever you want to because God loves you so much he died for you on the cross. Yes, he died for you on the cross so much that he will meet you where you are, but he loves you enough not to leave you there. Amen? Truth and grace is this. You see, truth says that something has to die. For the wages of sin is death. Grace says that even in the midst of death, something can live. Truth looks at you and says, you've made a mistake. You can never be anything for God. You can never do anything else for God because you made a bad decision. Grace says, because of your bad decision, God can use you in spite of it. And God can redeem the years that the locusts have eaten. God can restore the bones that were broken. You remember in Psalms chapter 51, David said, Oh God, create in me a clean heart, oh God. Renew in me a steadfast spirit, Lord. Lord, let the bones that were broken in me, Lord, begin to rejoice. God, do something new in my life. I'm telling you that the devil says you're not worthy. The church says you're not worthy. And Jesus says you're worthy because of the cross. And on the cross of Calvary, truth was never to the cross grace was nailed to the cross and Jesus became the bridge across the great divide that you and I might cross over to truth living in grace and that truth might be fulfilled because of grace on our behalf because of Jesus Christ wow what a savior 
Let me read this passage for you again. Luke 15, 1 through 3. But in a different translation. By this time, a lot of men and women of doubtful reputation, they were hanging around Jesus. And those who thought they had earned a right to be there because of their status and their wealth and their prestige and their prominence began to look around and say, why is it that I cannot get to Jesus? But all these people with doubtful reputations can get to Jesus. And so they saw them and they began to listen intently to see what Jesus would tell them because they were sinners. And the Pharisees and the religious scholars were not pleased. Do you know how, you, you know a good sign when you're doing something right? When you got the religious crowd ticked off, amen? Do you know why everybody's so mad at Ben Carson this week and they're saying expletives about him and causing names about him? Because he's getting up there and he's saying the truth and he's saying God's got a plan for you that's greater than anything the world really ever has. And he's got the enemy really, really fired up. I'm not campaigning for him, but I'm telling you the only reason they come after you is when you're saying the truth. They were not pleased. Isn't it amazing that people's not pleased with him? Isn't it amazing they're not pleased with him? Grew up in the inner city of Michigan cities. Detroit, I think it was. Single mom. Struggling. Struggling in broken down schools. But yet got an education. Understood the love of Christ. Became the chief of surgeons. Chief of neurosurgeons. What made the difference in his life? A mom. A mom made the difference in his life that never gave up on him, that spoke life into him time and time and time and time again. So therefore, what is the job of the church? To come along beside those single moms, those grandparents who are raising children because the moms and the dads have checked out and dropped the kids off on their doorsteps and now they're kind of like me thinking, what in the world is an old man, an old woman going to do with a baby? And they're trying the best they can to raise up children in a world that they don't even understand. That's where the church needs to rise up and say, you know what? We are going to go with the truth of God and the grace of God and co-mingle them on the cross of Calvary and come along beside them and begin to cheer them on as they are raising up a whole new generation of Joshua's that can rise up and lead a broken city back to a holy God. The religious scholars were not pleased at all. See, the religious crowd began to growl at Jesus and say, these people have doubtful reputations. And you're bringing them in here. And you're even eating meals. How dare you, Jesus? How would, why would you put your feet under the table with someone of a doubtful reputation? See, meals was a big deal in that culture. To eat with someone, it was almost sacred. The Pharisees would never even consider doing this. 
But yet Jesus was doing it. The religious leaders thought Jesus was soft on sin. See, they didn't understand that Jesus was coming to fulfill for them what they couldn't fulfill. And then fulfill the truth on their behalf and impart grace to them. I'm going to lean in on this just a little bit for a minute. Because it's just where we are and we just got to be real. But I remember as a boy, there was a made, there was a major, you know, like black folk, white folk just didn't worship together. They had their church, you had your church. And I'll never forget one time somebody was very important in my life was this, having one of these conversations. And he looked at that religious crowd and he said, you know why? You know why you don't want them to worship with us and you don't want to worship with them? It's because you scared. If you worship together, they'll want to come drink coffee at your house. That may be controversial, but let me tell you something. This was the Branch Ricky moment in my life. Branch Ricky said, When I was a young man, there was a person who was better than me, more talented than me, that didn't get a chance because of who he was and where he lived. And for me as a young boy, I remember hearing that. And I'm telling you that it's driving me today to say that God has put us on a mission to reach a city. God has put us on a mission to reach a city And it doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter who you are, where you live, how doubtful your reputation is. His grace exceeds your sin and your guilt. It's hard to talk about this because we like to act like it doesn't exist. But the reality of it is that in the New Testament, the church was a multi ethnic multicultural bunch and what God is calling us to do is to live out two things my sermon today has two points we must accept the truth like in Luke 15 17 through 19 where the prodigal son came home he said boy I've messed up I'm no longer worthy to be called thy son. But we must receive the grace like in Luke 15, 22 through 24. Where the father says, no boy of mine will be a servant. Go get the ring. Go get shoes and put on his feet. We'll unpack this over the next several weeks. But have you ever accepted the truth of God's word? And have you ever swam in the ocean of his grace?